Well, go ahead and take your Bibles, and we're going to just go to several places tonight. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 6, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, thinking again about kind of following up, like I said, we're going to go to Chronicles here just a few moments ago, to Second Chronicles in chapter 7, and kind of look at that next section where we can maybe glean some principles for our lives. Um, I was thinking about this morning, you know, the message that we had, actually last week's message and this week's message, talking about that area of surrender, talking about um, finding the areas in our life where we have not surrendered to God and laying those things down. Um, I, I told David up here, I would love to see that altar just full this morning. I would have loved, I expected it, I'll be honest with you, I expected it. I expected just to see people flood the altar. And if I couldn't have had that, if I'd issued white flags, just seeing white flags waving all over the sanctuary saying, God, I surrender, God, I surrender. I, I'd like to have seen and maybe did see, just couldn't see, you know, 250 converts, people converting from practical atheism uh, to fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, that was so huge this morning, uh, the truth, not the pastor, not the preaching, not the message, but the truth that is there because it impacts our lives. It impacts our lives. Because, see, I, I believe all my heart. I'm, I'm sitting on the front row thinking about how to word this. And I am absolutely certain that the surrendered life invites God's blessings. The surrendered life invites God's blessings. And the under, unsurrendered life invites consequence and maybe judgment. Consequence and judgment. And that means, that means like in your marriage. If, if your marriage is surrendered to God, it invites blessings of God on your marriage. If your marriage is not surrendered to God, if you've not devoted that thing to God, it invites consequences and judgment. You know, if your finances are surrendered to God, it invites God to bless what He has already blessed you with. And then if it's not surrendered, it invites judgment and consequences. It goes for your time. It goes for your children. It goes for your career. It goes for your life. And what I want to do tonight, I want to jump off with Galatians because, again, I don't want to be guilty of taking something out of context. So I'm going to give us a broad picture of, of why this we can use this scripture about Solomon in a context. And then we'll go and find some other things that apply to us in our context. All right. And Galatians chapter six, a great scripture. And again, we won't stay long on these. Uh, so don't panic there. All right. But in Galatians chapter six, verse number seven through nine, it, it says, do not be deceived. And I want you to understand something that is so easy. You know, Satan is good at what he does. And he wants very much to deceive us in our lives with God. He wants to deceive us. The reason a lot of people go, you know, gee, Dwayne, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to surrender. I mean, I, as far as I know, everything in my life is just surrendered. And it's so easy to do that because he's such a good deceiver. He's so good at what he does about convincing us that everything is all right with God. Everything is all right. And often we say that because of the Jewish people. The Jewish people saw a person whose life went well and said, there's God's favor. And over here, if a person was struggling or sick or something like that, they'd say, that person obviously has sin. And so when our life is continually just going well, going well, going well, our tendency is to say, well, I must be doing things right. And we must, listen, I am convinced we must constantly examine our lives for areas that need surrender. And I'm still going to stick my guns. I haven't got any nasty emails, so I'm going to stick my guns and say this. I still believe that any area of your life or my life that is not surrendered, we are a practical atheist in that area because we are saying, according to Psalm 14, no God. No God. And any area in your life when you say to God, no, you're acting like an atheist, a practical atheist. So do not be deceived. God is not ridiculed, New King James. God is not mocked. God will not be ridiculed. And here it is. Whatever a man sows, 
he will reap. Whatever man sows, he will reap. For, for he who sows to his, his flesh will of the flesh reap what? New King James is corruption. What does yours say? Destruction. Okay? So, he's saying this. Whoever, for he who sows to the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption. He who says, no God, what's he going to reap? Destruction? Corruption? Now, that's, this is the Word of God speaking. This isn't Dwayne's opinion. This isn't some commentary written by some professor somewhere. This is the Word of God. When, when we sow to our flesh, when we tell God no, we reap corruption. But watch this. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. A fruitful life. Everlasting, abundant life. So he says, let us not grow weary while doing good. Because that's also a tendency of ours. Our tendency of sometimes it's a struggle to do the right thing because there's so much temptation. It's a struggle to do what's right. He says, don't grow weary while doing good. Because in due season, when the time is right, we will reap if we don't lose heart. You say, Dwayne, it is so hard to surrender my marriage because of the jerk or jerkette I'm married to. It's so, it's so hard. Dwayne, some people have lots of money. And it's so easy for them to surrender their finances. Do you really believe that? Don't you understand the more you've got, the harder it is to surrender? When your tithe goes from being a thousand, um, a thousand, let's say a thousand, that'd be pretty big. Let's say a hundred dollars a week. Let's go four hundred dollars a month. A hundred dollars. When your tithe is a hundred dollars a week, that, that's hard, but you know, but what happens when your tithe goes to a thousand or two thousand a week? It's harder. It's not, it's, don't think if you have more money, it will be easier. It's not. It's not. It doesn't get any easier in the human sense. In the human sense. So it's hugely important as, as Paul writes and says, man, listen, don't go, you're, you're going to reap. You're going to reap. Hang in there. Hang in there. It just surrender your marriage to God and let God work in your marriage. Surrender your finances and let God work in your finances. Surrender your children to God and let God work in your children. In your family. Surrender your career to God and let God work in your career. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. So there's the principle of sowing and reaping. There's the principle of the surrendered life. If we surrender, God blesses. If we do not surrender it, we sow destruction and corruption. All right? Now, let's go back now with that kind of just laying the groundwork just a little bit. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 17. Now, keep in mind the context, okay? God has, you know, Solomon has, has presented the temple and the people have sacrificed and God, Solomon's made this huge prayer to God and God has said, okay, you know, you know, if I send pestilence and if I do this and if I bring judgment, if my people are humbled by my name, well, excuse me, if my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will hear from heaven, God says, okay, and, and I will forgive their sins. I will forgive the sins and I will heal their land. That's already all been said. Now God speaks to Solomon. He wants to, to speak to Solomon what I'm calling the principle of obedience and blessing. The principle of obedience and blessing. Look what he says to Solomon. As for you, King Solomon, I'm talking to you. As for you, Solomon, now watch. If you walk before me as your father David walked. Now, time out there. Because I guarantee you, I promise you, there were people listening on the radio this morning. There were people in the sound of my voice this morning. And probably someone here tonight who's saying, Dwayne, that's just too much to ask. That, you, you don't, that is not realistic. That's probably not 
near unrealistic because Jesus is saying if your right hand offended, cut it off. <laughs> or if your right eye offended, pluck it out. I mean, you want, if you want radical, Judy, that's pretty radical. I mean, it's not near as radical saying unless you hate your mother and father, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, that, that's pretty radical. See, it's not unreasonable at all because of the God factor that's in it. Okay? See, David wasn't perfect. Was he? David, was David perfect? <laughs> David, 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 was David perfect? No. In fact, like I say, I, I need to remind you, every once in a while, David committed just two or three huge blunders. One was obviously Bathsheba. But what about the time he disobeyed God and 70,000 people died? Because David sinned, 70,000 people died. That pales Uriah. I mean, Uriah just becomes a figment after 70,000 people died when he said, you know what, I don't trust God, I'm going to count the people. I'm going to count the army. So David wasn't perfect, but David had a passion. David had a passion for God. He was a man after God's heart. And that's what God wants. God wants to have a passion saying, saying, Jesus, I, I need your help in this. I know I need to surrender this. I want to surrender to you. I want to surrender my finances. I want to surrender my marriage. I want to surrender my children. I want to surrender my career. But God, I need your help. Being passionate about the need for God's help. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, and do according to... Now, isn't this interesting? To all. See? Even when he talks to Solomon, he doesn't say, if you will surrender 95%, go with it, babe. If you get it 70%, go for it. In fact, if you'll look back in Deuteronomy and all these great testaments, uh, when, when God talks to the nation of Israel, follow all, follow all, surrender all, do all. In fact, Jesus himself. I don't find, do y'all find Jesus anywhere going, you know, if, if you'll do about 50%, we'll call it even. We don't find that. We find Jesus calling this radical, 100% total surrender. And that's the Jesus you and I have accepted and believe in. Okay? If you agree to do all, if you'll do all that I have commanded you, if you'll keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I coveted with David your father, saying, you should not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. Now, we can't claim that, obviously. Obviously, it was made to Solomon. And God is saying, if you will have a heart like your father David had for me, and do what I've commanded you to do, there will always be a Solomon Jr., a Solomon III, a Solomon IV, a Solomon V, on down through the ages. And physically, that didn't happen, did it? You know why? You know, Solomon didn't do it. In fact, the most wisest man in the world, the richest man in the world, just totally fell on his face spiritually. Sought, you know, his, his married foreign women who had other gods and sought those gods and allowed sacrifices, even child sacrifice, to false gods. It was crazy. He didn't do it. But you know what? God still honored His covenant because spiritually there is a descendant of David on the throne even today. His name is Jesus, by the way. His name is Jesus. So for us, we cannot claim a 
throne, but we can claim a legacy. The way to have a legacy that outlasts you, a, le- a way to have a legacy in your finances, in your marriage, in your children, and in your career, those four I'm going to use tonight as illustrations, there are a zillion more. Is the way you do that is through obedience and inviting God's blessings into those areas. And you leave a legacy. Again, legacy is what remains after you're gone. And if you pour all that you are into a position or promoting your children into positions or you say, this marriage didn't work, so I'll throw it aside and get another one. And that didn't work, I'll get another one. And your own marriage number 27. What kind of legacy is that? Oh, you'll leave a legacy. But what kind of legacy is it? What kind of legacy is it? If we want a godly legacy, if we want to be remembered as a godly man, then we've got to live as a godly man. Godly woman, if you're a woman tonight. So the truth is, there is blessings in obedience. And there's a principle of obedience that says, God will leave us a legacy. Alexia will remain if we'll obey Him. Now, just, just put it all in context for us. Galatians does that. But look at Psalm 1. I'm just going to read it. We won't really preach it. But I want to just read it to you. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Psalm 1. Someone, some try to argue this idea of obedience and blessing, but the Word of God sure supports it. Look what it says here. Blessed, happy, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Here is a man with a surrendered life. Here's the man who says, no holes barred, God. I am not a practical atheist in every area. My finances, my marriage, my children, my career. Father, they are all yours. And he says he's blessed. Well, in fact, he says this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth this fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does is going to prosper. That's a promise from God. Now, that's not a promise. That's a promise from God. Now, when he says, whatever he does shall prosper, what's our first instinct? Oh, I'm going to get rich. Would you get off the money deal? Is that the only way we can measure success? Is the richest man in, you ta- the richest man in your town, you count the richest man in your town, who's got the biggest bank account? Or is the guy who's loved by his children, cherished by his wife, and has a heartbeat relationship with his Savior. Who's the rich man? Is the rich man with the Mercedes? Or the rich man with the Chevrolet? But again, has an intimate relationship with God. See, our prosperity often will not be in dollar signs. But something far richer and deeper than that. Something more eternal than that. See, in America, we count our success by dollars. In Africa, it's by cows or by donkeys or by sheep. We so want to count our wealth by what we can see and touch. And true wealth is so much bigger than that. So God is going to bless. When we surrender, God is going to bless. And let me give you a, can I give you a sidebar? 
I just came from Little Chapel. And I was talking to Debbie Regal, who just recently went through cancer. In fact, she's still undergoing treatments. And she was talking about how that, um, how she shared Jesus with everyone she could. She goes, if I don't share, listen, here's what she said. If I don't share Jesus with someone every day, I feel like I've failed. And the reason why is, is because God has been so faithful through her cancer. Now, she didn't have the miraculous cure. She didn't have the, oops, we were wrong, the cat scan's clear. The medicine she's on right now, she gets every three months. She said, Dwayne, I hurt every single day. My body hurts. I said, every day? Every day? How much longer do you got to do this? For another year? But Dwayne, you don't understand. I am so grateful because I am here and God is healing my body. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Isn't that powerful? I walked away blessed. When those, when, listen, when life slaps you, when your 27-year-old son dies, it's the surrendered life that's going to carry you. It's not your church attendance. It's not even your disciplines of reading the Word every day for sake of reading the Word every day. What is going to get you through it, the times when life slaps you, when you're in the valley, is the surrendered life. Because it's in the surrendered life that your dependence and your trust in God is declared and lived out. That's why this morning was so important to me. That's why. Because I, I so care for you guys. I want so badly when life slaps you for you to be prepared. And that happens through this surrender. And I see a world today of people who claim the name of Jesus Christ and we have unsurrendered areas. And we find ourselves unprepared for the slap when it comes. Now sadly, we have this principle of disobedience and consequence. I've already told you, Solomon didn't make it, did he? Isn't that crazy? The wisest, richest guy. But here's what, here's what God's Word says. Look at verse 19. We're still in 2 Chronicles 7. But if you turn away... Now, I want to show you something here in just a moment. If you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, 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 and... You go and serve other gods and worship them. So God says, if you choose the unsurrendered life, if you choose to worship other gods, if you choose to go after other gods, if you choose not to live the surrendered life, watch what he says. This is, I, 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 went, I went to a different translation and said, well, maybe it's just the New King James. And it wasn't. Then I will uproot them. From my land, which I've given them. And Gary, I said, now, now what's up with that? And you know who the them is? The nation of Israel. You know why? Because disobedience is never singular. It's plural. And when we explode, when we go from surrendered to, unsur- from sur- surrendered, to unsurrendered, and we explode spiritually, the effects of it ripple. Marriages do suffer and fail. Children do not grow up strong in God. Financial consequences lead to bankruptcy. Credit card debt that's unbelievable. And bondage. Careers rob us of our time with family and for God and for others. 
Disobedience is never singular. It bleeds over and over and over. And God says, if you as the leader choose this, it's going to impact them. I want to look you in the eye tonight and tell you individually, if as you choose disobedience, it will impact others. Some you won't even see. Some will casually glance your way. In fact, we're going to see this in just a moment. Some who you don't even think observe your life will observe your life. And it will, your disobedience, your unsurrender will impact them. May be impacting them, even at this moment. Let's go a bit further. I will uproot, verse 20, I will uproot them from my land which I have given them. And this house, which, now watch, this house which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And I will make it a proverb and a byword among the peoples. He said this pride and joy that you created. And they did it with a good heart. I mean, Solomon at this time had a great heart. This house of mine will become a proverb and a, and a byword. Instead of, instead of what it was supposed to be, it's a house of worship. Can I pause here? Very careful not to take out of context. Have you been to Europe? Have you seen the great cathedrals? You walk in and they echo. On Sunday when there should be thousands, there's a hundred. Do you not know of churches who say, boy, see that building there? I remember when that building was filled with people and now 30 attend. How did that happen? Let me tell you. I have to go on this side because this is the unsurrendered, the unsurrendered life. When people decided that what they wanted was more important than what God wanted. When people said, it's my world. That's what happened. Aren't you shocked? When people you never dreamed, never dreamed, went in divorce, are. People who used to adamantly follow God, don't. It can happen. When we invite the unsurrendered life instead of the surrendered life. Now, now watch this. this is, watch this proverb. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and this house? How could it have happened that this home Fail. How could it be that this man failed? How could it be that this country failed? Principle, not context. Because they forsook the Lord God. Because they forsook the Lord God their fathers. Who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore he has brought all this calamity on them. Consequences. That's the, we can't claim the context, but we claim the principle that disobedience has consequences. It's hard to believe that this beautiful temple that was intended to be a place of worship became a... What happened there? Instead of a, an institution, a, a house that would praise God, if I people say, what happened? I don't, is there anyone here tonight who want that to be said? What happened to this house this man built? 
called life. What happened? What happened to this marriage? It started so well. What happened? What happened to this man who was so, uh, so faithful in his finances? What happened? What happened to this man who was so, so faithful in his career? What happened? What happened? What happens is the unsurrendered life. Just a thought. I'm not so sure the unsurrender has a tendency to multiply. When you have one area, it's awful easy to have two. You know how it is? Now, some of y'all, y'all, y'all will say not cry. This is never going to happen to y'all, of course, never. But have you ever missed church before? And you miss one week, and the temptations go, well, another week won't hurt. And then the third week, and finally the fourth week, you're kind of embarrassed to go back. So you don't? I don't think most people quit going to church. Intend it, it just sort of happens. I think almost that's how the unsurrendered areas are. There's one, and then one ends to two, and two ends to three, and three ends before, and long before that path leads us to a destination we didn't intend, Judy. See, our intentions don't determine our destination, our path does. If you want to have a strong marriage, you've got to get on the path that leads to a strong marriage. If you want God's blessings on your finances, again, don't think dollar signs and pink Cadillacs, but if you want God's blessings on your finances, you've got to get on the path that leads to that kind of blessing. If you want a a God-centered career, no matter what your vocation may be, you've got to get on a path that leads you to that destination. And I promise you that path either begins or always includes the surrendered life. Let let me close with this. Therefore, Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. It's not enough to say surrender. It's not enough to hear a sermon about surrender. We have to surrender. We have to weigh. Now, you don't have to come to the altar, but you've got to weigh the white flag at God and say, God, this one's yours. This one's yours. 100%. This one's yours. Would you bow your heads with me, please, in prayer? Well, that closes out the day. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people this morning who did surrender some things to God, who, who did exactly what God wanted to do. 
And there's probably a pretty good chance that some of them are sitting here tonight. I want to tell you this. There's enough people in this building tonight if we will buy into what God's Word says. There's enough people in this building tonight to change Harrisburg. And ultimately, the world. The world. I believe that. I believe that. Now, we're fighting a culture that says good enough is good enough. I used to work for the government before I became a pastor. And there was a saying that you probably heard before goes something like this. Well, that's good enough for government work. Good enough for government work. I bet the city had a saying like that, Terry. City workers say that's good enough for the city. God doesn't have that saying. God doesn't have that saying. He didn't practice that saying when Jesus died on the cross. He didn't say that's good enough. He went all the way. He calls us to go all the way. And the reward is the blessings. And the reward is when the life slaps you, and it will, it will, you're going to be ready. Whether you lose your job or one of your children do a crazy Ivan on you, whether there's trouble in your marriage or whether there's financial trouble, you lose your job. When life slaps you, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Father, in Jesus' name, I present to you tonight this truth. Praying, Father, that you'll cement it into our hearts. Cement into our hearts. Father, may there be a catalyst tonight of people. Father, may I be one of them. That we might continue to seek you passionately about the surrender of the areas of our life. That, Father, that we would not wall you out of any area. There would be no area in our life that we would say, no, God, in. And in fact, rather than just not saying no, but be sure and say yes. Yes, God. Yes. Father, I know you want to bless us. Jesus, you said something about an abundant life. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you have come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. I believe this is crucial. God, I believe your word teaches that tonight. Help us to believe it. Help us to buy into it. And Jesus, I pray this in your name.